welcome to Fourth Wave Feminism, the podcast. I'm Sarah Gemitter. And I'm Jason Burkett. And you're probably wondering, what is Fourth Wave Feminism? This is the first podcast they've ever done. I have a lot of questions. And so in order to best understand what Fourth Wave Feminism is, Sarah is going to explain what that there are waves of feminism. I would actually be interested, what do you think, what do you know about the waves of feminism right now? All right. What I know about the waves of feminism are that there are three of them before this one that we're starting. And the first one is women get the vote. Okay. So women were all hanging out and they were like, hey, we're in America and we would like to be able to vote. And it's not cool that we can't. And so they're like, let's have women's suffrage movement and like women's valuable ideas need to be heard. And so they, that was first wave feminism. Okay, what's second wave feminism? Well, don't you want to tell me I'm right? No, I don't. <laughs> All right, second wave feminism is they, women are like, we got to get jobs. <laughs> we want to join the workforce. Okay, and what's third wave? And then third wave feminism is women said, hey, only white women are joining the workforce. That's not cool. We need women of all backgrounds to join the workforce and vote and have equality. And that's why third, third wave feminism is where we are. We're currently enjoying third wave feminism. And it's kind of all over the place. But basically, it's like total equality for everybody. Okay. Much of what you said is true. So now I'll just nice. go back and sort of expand. All that. right. Yeah. So, and let me just say that this is my knowledge, my understanding of what the different waves of feminism are based on various like classes and reading and things that I've done. I don't have a degree in this. Someone could come along and say, actually, Sarah, you're wrong about this, this, and this. And I would say, okay. So here's my understanding, my somewhat deeper understanding of the different <laughs> waves of feminism. First wave feminism is about ending structural inequality. So it's not just the vote, though that's a big um, kind of marquee item, noticeable one. It's also about property laws and marriage laws and things that are actually like written in the books within like the structure of society, not just in the United States, but also in England and other countries as well. There was a kind of first wave feminism movement in Japan and in other countries around the world. All at the same time? A approximately the same time. What? I thought it all happened in the 20s of no, the 1900s. No, it started, it started in like the 1870s, 1880s with um, a lot of women who've been working on ab the abolitionist movement in the U.S., in the course of working on abolition, they'd been working together during that period of time, and they felt like, well, wait a second, we've been fighting for the rights of freed slaves, uh, and now male slave, people who were slaves. And that went so well. They can now vote, but I can't vote. And so that, so for out of the abolition movement, that's part of where the energy and the organization for the women's suffrage movement, which is also tied into these... Um, these other structural changes, so um, inheritance laws, property laws, marriage laws, and things like that. So things that are laws on the books. So that's first wave feminism. And it was, you know, huge success. Women in various countries got the right to vote. And here in the United States, it was, what, 1920? Or yeah. 1919. It's the 19th Amendment. 
Second wave feminism starts in the 60s, the 1960s, and that goes after cultural inequalities. So first wave feminism was about structural inequality, and second wave feminism is about cultural inequalities. So it is things like, okay, so I can vote, but I don't necessarily, I can't necessarily have the same job as a man, not because there's any law against it, but because... It's frowned on. It's frowned on, because the culture says, oh, women can't, you know, women are capable of being doctors, but just the way that society is structured, it's much more difficult and it happens less frequently. So the second wave feminists are going after those cultural inequalities, which also includes things like like language, like inequalities in the language that... Which we'll talk about in future episodes. Exactly. So that's second wave feminism. And there are people to this day who would say, I am... But second wave feminism is still in process because we haven't completely changed the culture. There are still cultural inequalities based on gender. So there are second wave feminists still out there. Yes. Carrying the torch. Are they old? Some of them are are old, yes. They sound old to me. (laughs) So then third wave feminism (laughs) is what you were saying. Like it's third wave feminism people start to recognize, hey, wait a second, first and second wave feminism were largely movements of white, middle and upper class women. Right. And where is the acknowledgement of the different experiences of lower class women, women of color, women of different um, socioeconomic backgrounds and things like that. So there was a perception that first and second wave, within first and second wave feminism, that Women all want the same thing. That women all want the right to vote. Women uh-huh. all want to be able to be doctors if they feel like it. Um, all women want the same thing. So then with third wave feminism, you start to have uh, more of a splintering of the idea of what feminism is. And so you start to have people saying, no, there is um, a particular approach to feminism that... Uh, applies to poor women or to black women or to Latino women or to women in developing countries versus developed countries. Yeah. yeah. So there's more there there is a more fragmented view of what feminism is. And so part of third wave feminism is all of these different little um, branches and ideas about feminism, things like choice feminism or radical feminism or uh, liberal feminism or eco-feminism. All of these are different takes or different angles from which to view feminism. And that's all part of the third wave. So we're also still within the third wave. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) That was very thorough. My descriptions pale in comparison. <laughs> but yours were, as I said, they yeah, were basically I on, correct. I was on track. Exactly. Yours was that was the short version. All right. Well, that's actually a really good place to begin because basically, what we want to do is say if if that's what third wave feminism is all about, then we want to. I I think from the way it's been explained to me and from what I've witnessed. That third wave feminism, I love it. It's great. It's wonderful. It's everything I could ask for, almost. Because it's, like, by being so fractured, I think that's kind of a weakness, you know? And, like, that's something we'll talk about. Like, because I, you know, I I like individuality, and I don't want to, like, clump things together. But for the purpose of collective action, 
you know, and, and I think it's a weakness of feminism that we think, oh, I hear it one way this way and the next day it's that way. And, and it starts to stop feeling authoritative because it feels like, oh, it's just whatever you say it is. You know what I mean? Fourth wave feminism can't be like that. It can't suffer from that problem. That's the problem fourth wave feminism is coming along to correct. All right. So that's that's your view of oh, yeah. what of what fourth wave feminism is about. It wants to be. It, it wants, wants to, to be. be. It wants to go back to the the more cohesive vision of first and second wave feminism. Um, I want to bring the minorities though too. <laughs> I don't okay. want it to just be upper class white women. <laughs> All right. So you want to bring everyone into the same we got to figure out, okay, so here's, and, and now that is sort of how we arrived at saying, let's start a podcast where we hammer out these ideas and we hash out the differences and we explore these things and we're, right. you know, we're figuring these things out all together. So fourth wave feminism, as much as we'll refer to it as being something that exists, it is very much being born. You are in the delivery room of fourth wave feminism. <laughs> are uh, we already in the delivery room? Yeah, we're the midwives. We're not gestating. <laughs> Oh no, this is, this is it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So Sarah and I will disagree about all kinds of stuff. That will be a common theme of this podcast is her and I trying to hammer out the boundaries and, and you know, what gets included and what doesn't get included. And so we're going to try to, our effort will be to include all of the hard work and everything that's come before us as far as feminism goes and try to put it together into the most functional way to achieve our agreed upon perfect future. Yes. So fourth wave feminism has a perfect dream future in mind. Exactly. But we don't know what that one is yet. So we're going to discuss it right now. Exactly. So Sarah, I ask you, does fourth wave feminism want to, is our end game, to have a completely gender equal society or a completely gender neutral society? Before I answer your question, I'm going to just very quickly define gender because gender is different from sex. Okay. Sex is biological. It's you're a male or you are a female based right. on your anatomy. Gender is a cultural construct. You are masculine or you are feminine and what those things mean differs from one society to another, from one time to another, um, so that it's much more fluid. So, for instance, our gen like let's say we decide fourth wave feminism is shooting for a gender equal society. Right. It will babies will still come out male, female, or right. some combination of the two. But then it will be up to us how we raise them. Like, exactly. do we want to raise these? male and female babies to be men, women, and, and other genders? Masculine and feminine and right. so on. Or do we want to raise them to be persons who all have individual characteristics and, and individual interests? There's no gender whatsoever. So there's no gender guiding someone to join this sport or take up that hobby. Right. Or we would treat their individual their anatomy in the same way that we treat like different hair, hair color, color yeah. or eye color or being tall or being short it doesn't it doesn't prescribe any kind of future behavior right or say who you are right absolutely 
So, uh, or what we want you to be interested in. Right. As okay. parents, as a society. So here's the thing. Which, what we, what's our goal? What do we want to do? See, and here's where we are going to come to our, our places of disagreement, because you want one answer. You right. want me to say gender equal or gender neutral, as, you know, to step into one box or another and commit to it and take that all the way to the finish line. Exactly, because that's going to inform all of our other future subjects. You know, like next podcast is going to be about this, that or the other thing. But whatever it's about, we're going to have to answer the question. How does this get us to our gender neutral or gender equal perfect world? Right. Right. So I, this is our guiding light. We're deciding our guiding light. I totally understand that. <laughs> and my response is that maybe there is a third option. Okay. That has something from column A of gender equal and something from column B of gender neutral. Okay. And I don't have a fancy name for what that would be, but I like what I like about gender neutrality is that it focuses on our fundamental humanity, that that is the biggest thing that we all have in common. Yes. And it eliminates the idea that there is an us and a them, that there is an other, that someone could be other than me than human exactly so that that i love that about the idea of gender neutrality at the same time i enjoy being a woman yeah well yeah and i'm worried about giving that up and that could be just a factor of this is the paradigm in which I was raised. And yeah, it's, you've been trying to be a good woman your whole life. And it's hard to imagine what that new paradigm would be. And will I miss the things that I give up? Or, it, you know, is it just a lost cause for those of us who are transitioning from one paradigm to another? And we just have to only think about the people who are raised in the new paradigm. And what is the world that we want for them? That is the is the tricky part for me because I do think there are some things in the way that we I don't want to say that there is a, an actual biological basis necessarily for how, what we define as masculine and feminine but I, I do like the idea of there being room to sort of celebrate that particular part of our identity and something I'll say is that in a world that has gender I would argue that Fulfilling gender roles can be a benefit, like having gender roles, even though like at, at the moment, gender roles cause lots of trouble. Right. They, cause lots they of problems. can be very constricting. Exactly. And they, and they like can indicate dominate other gender roles, right? Like, you know, that's part of your gender role. And right. that's bad. We don't like that. But like on other topics, like so, for instance, my gender role is to be a man, right? Like I'm supposed to be a good man. And. You know, maybe I don't want to uh, crush spiders, right? If there's spiders, and maybe I want to be afraid of spiders, but I know that men aren't afraid of spiders. Or, or you know, like, maybe I'm sad and I want to, like, ball my eyes out, but I know that men don't ball their eyes out. And so some people would say, Jason, we're going to free you from that role. That way you can ball your eyes out and you can be afraid of spiders. But I would argue, or I will at least put forward, <laughs> I might not argue, <laughs> but I will at least put forward, this is a good, these roles 
ask me to be a bit better than I would otherwise be so far as crushing spiders and bawling my eyes. You know, like turning into a gigantic emotional wreck is perhaps cathartic, but maybe not the best thing for society. So maybe in some given instance, let's say. So like perhaps the roles that I've that I'm trying to fulfill and that you're trying to fulfill help make us better people and do you know, than we would otherwise be. Like, if you took away my roles and let me do whatever I wanted, who knows, you know? Like, who knows what I'd do? And how do we know it's going to be beneficial for society? So it's kind of like providing instruction in a lot of ways. Right. Which I is see. why you like yours. Well, no. I, what do you I like mean, about being a woman? <laughs> if not, it tells you what to do. Not that it tells me what to do. I mean, I, I will admit that it, there is definitely a cultural component to it but like i like that i get to put on a party dress and go to a party and maybe in a gender neutral world you would also get to put on a party dress and go to a party and so there's nothing that i would need to miss because but that might take away from your experience i don't i don't think it would well i would like to think it wouldn't also but it (laughs) might you know because like maybe the thing that like, I think we, when we fulfill these roles uh, well, we get to feel good about ourselves. You know what I mean? And then I can say, like, I like throwing the football with my friends. It just feels right. You know what I mean? But it's like I've been taught that it feels right. But, what, but how do you construct a role in that way where you're not excluding someone, where you getting to, like, be excited about throwing the football doesn't exclude me from being excited about throwing the football or where, how do you construct a role based on gender? On other roles exactly. to achieve its own fulfillment. Exactly. Well, that relies on someone else being excluded from that same Well, it's not necessarily thing. exclusion. Well, maybe it is. Well, see, this is what I'm saying about... But it's the, like pride in a role. But if everybody's like, yeah, I do that too, you're not going to be like, check it out, I eat food. People are going to be like, I eat food too. And you're going to be like, damn it. <laughs> now I don't feel special. Well, but you were talking about roles being a way to help inspire you to be a better person than you might otherwise be. Why is that connected to your to you being male versus me being well, that's what, female? So that's what I'm going to put forward. Is mm-hmm. that I'm not saying that it needs to be gender related, and we can get more into this in the next section. But I wanted to say that, like, I feel like if roles are valuable and they inspire us to do things that are good for ourselves and the ones we care about in society, then we don't want to scrap roles altogether. Now, that that doesn't mean that they have to be gender related. That maybe they could be eye color related, though that would be just as stupid as making them gender related, right? Like, perhaps the thing is to try to let society have roles that are based on inclination or whatever. So well, I have I'm, a crazy idea. Okay, what's your crazy this is, idea? Seriously, I thought about this when you were talking. Uh, okay. This is going to be Oh, really good. Hot. I'm so glad that you were not listening to me. But no, you were I was being about... inspired by you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here's the idea. We have the, you know, kids are born. Yes. And then we let them Every day. be whoever like there's no gender there's no roles placed on them there's no gender expectations played on them we so we create these little like zero to four eh, four eight whatever who cares uh you know they grow up to be some certain age fulfilling this genderless role of human right and then from there they choose other roles 
or we choose for them. Hopefully they choose. I would like that they choose. Or they demonstrate an inclination towards roles that they could then go joyfully fill that are not at all gender or eye color based. Right. They're more... So we've done both. We've allowed... Like, there's this whole period where you there is no otherness. Right. And then people can slip into these beneficial roles for society and themselves that are not gender-related. Okay. <laughs> You're so excited about this idea. <laughs> it's totally the way to go. I, I'm, I'm willing to uh, continue to entertain this idea. I don't think we're going to come to, like, a, a moment right now where I say, yes. That is it. But we know what our goal is. We can end this little section and we can say, hey, we've established what our goal, which is to have to make sure that society exists filled with people who feel a strong sense of individuality. Right. But not at all a strong sense of otherness for themselves, that they are another or that somebody else is another. Right. Yes. And so we'll get into in the next section, how are we going to achieve that vision. Okay. All right. I'm on board. We're moving on. Excellent. So we know that our future perfect world of fourth wave feminism wants to have no otherness. So there's no sense of other. There's roles, we want to keep roles that improve, you know, the individual, help them be their their best selves and challenge us to be our best selves. Uh, We do not want these roles to be gender based at all. We want them to perhaps be ability based or interest based. So not gender based, not eye color based, not height based. And then we want to make sure that these roles don't have success aspects that are contingent on any other roles so that if sarah wears a dress to a party she doesn't uh regret or it doesn't matter if i also doesn't diminish my enjoyment if you have a dress exactly yes so i can be in role and like let's say there's like 12 roles right for the yes for the sake of argument let's say there's 12. so this is my idea okay we raise children gender neutral until they're eight years old and then we you know help them choose you know encourage and suggest roles one of say 12 roles will keep it manageable so there's 12 different roles none of which are gender-based and that way during their gender neutral raising they'll recognize their common humanity so we've dealt with the otherness then these are not gender they're not gender-based roles but you can still be a gender at that point. You can choose a gender and then fulfill a role. Yeah? Okay. And none of these roles have conditions on any other roles. And they all challenge you to be your best self. Right. So that's an interesting further elaboration <laughs> of what the future might look like. Okay. But we're supposed to be talking about how we get there. And how we do both we... agree that's a great place worth getting to. I agree. it meets all of our goals. 
I agree that the no otherness and all of that is a great place to get to. I am not ready to sign off on we raise children as gender neutral until they're eight, like that specific, you know, that specific that's, that's description. That's one of many potential. That's one of many potential ways of okay. getting where we're going. But but what we want to be talking about is how do we get to that? That's still future. Okay. Yeah. And we're here in the present. So, so what is our path okay. to that future? So I say we start with a very concrete idea that people can knock around, right? You got to have something to debate against. And we roll it out with a, like a marketing campaign, like an ad campaign. And we're like, do this, it's better. And we can like have like a small town in like New Hampshire would totally be on board with this because they're crazy. Like they're, they'll try anything. So we can be like, here's our commune, we're going to do this. And then we'll get it on like NPR and people listen to it and they'll be like, that's awful because of this. And they'll go, oh, they say it's good because it reduces otherness. And then boom, <laughs> debate right there. And then suddenly these aspects, these four criteria are now like in the consciousness about like, what does gender mean and what does it do for us? So I'm saying we swing with the big idea first and let people debate it. All right. I hear what you were saying. All right. I was thinking in more general terms about starting the conversation that like the first step on the path to our future vision is asking questions and thinking critically about where we are and whether or not that's where we want to be. Now, you and I have started having that conversation. Right. But a lot of other people need to have that conversation. And you're trying to say, okay, the way that we get other people to have that conversation is by finding some children okay. or finding some parents, convincing them to give it a spin. raise their children gender neutral until they're eight, like enact the plan right now. Right. That's what you're saying. Yes. And what I'm saying <laughs> is that that seems unrealistic well, to me. Because it's... It is. Because you're talking about going all the way to, like, one particular section, right. one particular, like, little geographic area going all the way to the future. Right. But that little geographic area is located and sort of inextricably connected to the rest of the world. And they're not going to be able to get all the way to away the ideal from future. The current. They can't escape with, the now. Exactly. Oh. With the rest of the world pulling back on it. Right. So I think that we need to all move forward incrementally rather than having like one place yeah. surge forward. You make a good point. Although, you know, I, if, if there was a community that wanted to do that and was ready to support then you know, fight the rest of everybody then more power to them and that and i'm i'm excited about that but as a strategy i i i would want to start with let's start conversations let's start asking questions so you're so kind of what we're talking about here is advice to a listener right mm -hmm. like i want to say to a listener get pregnant <laughs> with an experimental child so that we can see what happens if we do this and that is something you can do to help. Right now. Today. <laughs> and your advice is ask somebody else if these descriptions of positive roles, you know, like, you yeah. know, facilitate this conversation. Exactly. Spread it around. Have this conversation. What kind of world, you know, have the exact same conversation that we had. What is the world that you want to live in? Do you want it to be 
gender equal? Do you want it to be gender neutral? I'm sure there are a lot of people who would say, I don't want either of those things because... No. Yeah. No. No, I mean, like, not after listening to this. Of course they would. <laughs> like, who would not want what we want after we've explained it so clearly? Right? And, the, and the way that... Way to hold us back. <laughs> way to hold us back, people. The way that that changes is that... We have these conversations and it becomes, as we continue these conversations, we're going to think of things that are like, oh, here's a something I can actually do. Or here's a, here's, um, a behavior of mine that because I had this conversation, I'm going to think about changing and then I'm going to change. I'm with it. The way that that changes is that we have these conversations and it becomes easier to share these different ideas and people you know are feel more free to start thinking about the world being different than it is now i mean there are people who are going to be resistant to change just because it's change yeah Yeah. let's start with having the conversations okay and thinking of the what those actions are that come out of those conversations okay and i think we're gonna we're all going to it can be universal. Yeah. Me, yes. Yeah. And it's not like it's not setting out to be universal. Like what I say is what I want everyone to eventually come to think. Right. It's no, I'm having this conversation with you and someone else is having a conversation with someone else. And as like those conversations continue and expand, you know, you're changing my mind. I'm changing yours. You know, though, as those conversations expand, then we're all kind of we'll moving get each to other. Tangibles. Yes. Yes. We told you. It won't always be. And it's not about like a top down. Right. You and I saying this is what fourth wave feminism is. If you don't agree with this. Right. We're open to it getting better. Yes. We're very open to improving it. Yeah. And to the ideas of many others. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, podcast 15, we might say, so check out what is a terrible idea. Raising (laughs) children gender neutral. Uh, hopefully not, but, you know, I mean, hopefully it's not a terrible idea, but if it yes. were, we would definitely, yeah, try you're, to, try you're to, open. Yeah. Fix all the damage we did in episode one. Like it's a good thing. It's a good <clears throat> thing. You didn't convince that little New Hampshire town to run off and, <laughs> and execute your idea based on one podcast. <laughs> yes. Because it turned out 14 podcasts later not a good idea okay all right i think we can agree on that yes we're going to take the universal ideas win the day conversation flow and approach right all right for now moving on to the conclusion yes All right, so that concludes episode one of Fourth Wave Feminism. Woohoo! It was quite a process. Yes. It was hard to do. You would think you just put a microphone between yourselves and start talking, but my God, we talked. There's probably four hours of conversation that At went least. into this half an hour because we had to cut out a lot of tangents. We talked about sexism in the Olympics and should there be separate, like, you know, like, should swim, male swimmers and not compete with female swimmers? And, like, Yes, there's my a God. whole food metaphor. There's a food metaphor. We, what do we... It's nuts. Anyways, <laughs> thank you very much for listening. Uh, at the end of each podcast, like, 
we really want to be able to tell people like something tangible they can do. So I call those marching orders because I'm a jerk. <laughs> uh, so I like to say like, okay, marching orders for this week. And these are marching orders for us too. Like we want to do these as well. So please don't think we're like jerks. Because uh, <laughs> we're not, you yeah. know, let's be honest. No one's ever going to listen to this. Maybe some people. Yeah, some people will. And so anyways, we're with you. We're out there with you. Boots on the street trying to make it better. So this week. All of this militarism. Ah, all right. Marching orders, boots on the streets. Aprons tied securely oh, around. now them. we're Whoa, getting into that. <laughs> we'll cut that. We got to cut that. People okay. hate me. So this week. Yeah, Mar- let's not go with marching orders. Requests. Polite requests. Polite requests or... Or action, your action for the week. Action items. Action items. Action items for this week are just try to ask someone if they support raising gender-neutral children until they're eight. <laughs> <laughs> just see what they say. Or if you don't <laughs> want to be that specific, <laughs> have a conversation with someone about what kind of future you would like, and, and not just, you know, your personal future, but what is the world that you would like to be living in? What is the world you would like your children to be living in when it comes to gender role? And is there any room to improve? Yes. All right. Maybe you like things the way they are. Yeah. In which case, let us know and we'll shut up. Well, probably not. <laughs> All right. So the next podcast, episode two. Yes. The next podcast, we're going to get into language. We're going to start to get specific about things and we're going to talk about girls and guys and so words yes (laughs) we're going to talk about calling someone a girl calling a group of people guys and before people get all worried that we're going to be talking about political correctness and not having a sense of humor like it's it's going to be good We're going to have a conversation about how the words we choose to call each other can impact, what is it? How we see ourselves. How we see, yes, exactly, how we see ourselves. And it's going to be extra exciting because Sarah and I kind of totally disagree on this subject. Yeah. Like, she doesn't think a woman should be called girl if she's over 13 years old. No, I said 18. 18? Yeah. Well, anyways... (laughs) We'll talk about that, because I think someone can be called girl until they stop getting mad at you for calling them woman, or lady, or ma'am. Girl is a nice, safe term to call anyone who's 55 or younger, but we'll talk about that next week. No, exactly. That is what we're going to talk about next week. So thank you very much. We hope you'll come back. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the conversations. Bye. Thank you.